1: And enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com/slash no girls, code no girls. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control. Enter Conair GirlBomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. ConAir Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair GirlBomb. Available at ConairGirlBomb.com or a retailer near you. There are No Girls on the Internet is a production
0: of iHeartRadio and Unboss Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. What does it mean to be a whistleblower? And how do we treat women who speak out against wrongdoing? By now, you've probably heard of Frances Haugen, the former Facebook employee turned whistleblower, who collected information for a series of exposés about the harm that Facebook has caused in our communities and around the globe.
1: My name is Frances Haugen. I used to work at Facebook. I joined Facebook because I think Facebook has the potential to bring out the best in us. But I'm here today because I believe Facebook's products harm children stoke division, and weaken our democracy.
0: This week, her findings will be rolled out in what's being called the Facebook Papers, a series of coordinated stories in 17 different media outlets based on the internal documents she photographed during her time working at Facebook. But Haugen isn't the first woman to blow the whistle on Facebook. In September 2020, a year before Haugen spoke out, Sophie Zong, a woman of color who worked as a data scientist at Facebook, uncovered that Facebook was slow to act or in some cases did nothing at all about coordinated fake campaigns by foreign governments that were manipulating citizens and destabilizing democracies. Only, when Sophie spoke up, she didn't get to testify before the Senate or go on 60 Minutes to tell the world what she'd found. And in some cases, media outlets didn't even refer to her as a whistleblower, just some former employee. Sophie is the kind of person who would rather be at home playing with her two cats and doing interviews. But that hasn't stopped her. She continues to speak up, including recently testifying before Parliament in the UK. When a whistleblower speaks up, we all see the polished interviews and hear the snappy sound bites. But Sophie wants people to know the reality, that whistleblowing can be thankless, dangerous, personally costly work. Here's Sophie's story. Sophie Zhang, she her,
2: cat putter. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely why you wanted me to invite me to speak, right? You just wanted me to go on at length about how good my cats are and how oh, I pet, pet them. Actually, actually, you probably know me but better as a whistleblower and former Facebook employee.
0: So Sophie, I have to ask just before we get into everything, just with everything that's going on with Facebook and your, your role in whistleblowing, uh, how are you? Like, are you feeling supported? Are you feeling overwhelmed? You know, how's Sophie doing?
2: I'm honestly feeling a bit overwhelmed, but like I don't. In case you didn't know, I'm an introvert who hates any and all attention and hates the public spotlight and just wants to stay home and pet my cats. And and so, frankly, I sort of wish that I had gotten a PR firm or something. If nothing else, judging by the difference in responses, I did. I mean. I did I did ask for I did ask for when, when I was starting, they, they turned me down and they decided that I would yell it. as it turns out you this does not work. Let me tell you that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's actually a great place to start, you know, as someone who is an introvert, as someone who is not really that interested in being in the public eye, what has it been like navigating this experience as someone who doesn't really want to put themselves out there like that?
2: It's been difficult. It's 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 honestly a bit like pulling teeth, but I mean I think many people can relate to the experience in general of doing something that they don't need to don't want to do because it's important. Like I think most people don't want to wake up at six a.m. in the morning to go into the office or something like that, but most but many people do it anyways, and because they need to make a living to survive and I mean, and I see this as just another version of the same thing. Like there are parts that I was surprised at how well I do. Like frankly, frankly, when I started, my greatest worry was that I would have a panic attack on live national television or something. And there's other things that I've learned about myself. Like apparently, I stutter when I'm nervous in an interview or something like that, which is, which I mean, I don't usually do in everyday conversation. And there's not that I notice.
0: That's actually a good thing to point out. I feel like people don't realize the cost, like the personal cost of whistleblowing, that it comes with a lot of work, a lot of physical stress, a lot of challenges. And when you do it, you are kind of taking a lot on that I don't think people really see. People People just want to see this like, polished, eloquent person speaking truth, but then they don't see the stress and the physical manifestations of what that looks like.
2: Yes, I'm not polished or eloquent. Actually, I have a bit of a zit on my face right here. My personal excuse is that I have nothing to hide from the people of the world. That is my excuse for not wearing
0: makeup. It's easy to think of tech employees as having tons of lucrative job opportunities at the ready, but that wasn't really Sophie's situation. In fact, when she first started working at Facebook, she just kind of needed a job. And Facebook, with its massive influence on all of our lives, well, here was a chance, she thought, to make some real change. To have a hand in making Facebook a real tool for good from the inside. Sophie, what brought you to working in tech? How did you wind up working at Facebook in the first place?
2: Frankly, I needed a job to make money to survive. I applied to a lot of places. Facebook gave me an offer. It's the honest explanation. I applied to a bunch of them. Um, I was expecting a few others to accept. If I had waited a bit, maybe I would have gotten some more offers. But Facebook had offered. It was, and and honestly, I I was also partly motivated because I wanted to help fix Facebook. Because it's easy for a lot of people, especially in, in America and in the United States, to say, we should just quit Facebook and not use it. But that's not an option for many people in most of the world in parts of, for instance, rural uh, rural India in Africa, for instance, Facebook is essentially the internet and people do not have the option to leave it. And so, by refusing to work for a company like this, you essentially relinquish any influence that you could have over it. And they thought it was important for me to try and fix the company from the inside to give the chance at least. And they, think it, and they did accomplish lot more that while I was there than I would have been able to from outside the company. For instance, I took down the troll farm operations of two separate world governments, and ultimately a lot of people have made that consideration. Like when they joined Facebook and told them I, I didn't think Facebook was good for the world and was trying to try and fix it, they told me, you'd be surprised how many people feel that way. And I don't want to say that they're most people. Like. A lot of people just want to do their do the 96 and go home at the end of the day, which is perfectly understandable. Like, I knew people who were, for instance, on H-1B visas, which means that their residency is tied to their employment. And so, for instance, some of them were unhappy with the situation but didn't feel comfortable speaking out because if they did, they could get fired and immediately deported back home. In other cases, maybe people have families that they need to support back home. Maybe they have sick relatives, maybe they maybe they have children or et And like whistleblowing is not for everyone. You take on mm-hmm. certain risks, both financial, legal, personal, etc. And even rocking the boat is not something that many people do not feel comfortable with. But, but there are certainly also people at Facebook who feel strongly about fixing the system, or at least did, and, and tried very worry how to do so while they were there. Many of them have since left the company. Some of them have spoken out to varying extents. Like There's always going to be a self-selection bias, by which I mean, if you think Facebook is the devil, you are less likely to work for Facebook. If you think that Facebook is the greatest thing since sliced bread, you are more likely to work for Facebook. If you think that podcasts are evil, you are not likely to start a podcast or, or listen to one. And so the people I'm who are listening right now probably, mostly, do not have negative opinions about podcasts. And, and, and that sort of self-selection bias happens in everything. Like... Facebook did regular surveys of how many how many of its employees thought that Facebook was making the world better. That number that number fluctuated between fifty and seventy percent while I was there. Wow. It was it was on the higher end earlier on. It was much lower. It it, it got towards fifty percent when I left, and that may sound very high to you, but it is also important to remember. We have a certain advantage coming from the United States and Europe, presumably, like surveys have generally shown people much more positive on Facebook in countries like Indonesia compared to the United States, where the mood is very negative. Because for many people, Facebook is the internet it's the way that they connect to people and there aren't any other options, any other availabilities like there is here.
0: While working at Facebook. Sophie found that foreign governments in places like India, Ukraine, Spain, Brazil, Bolivia, and Ecuador had been using fake Facebook accounts to generate fake engagement to manipulate their citizens. She found evidence of coordinated campaigns doing this in an attempt to manipulate political outcomes and to help or hinder certain political leaders. And even though this was technically against Facebook's rules, there really wasn't anybody whose job it was to stop it. So Sophie decided to do it herself. On top of her official job at Facebook, she worked to flag these fake accounts. Now, if you ask me, I would say that Facebook probably should have given her a raise and thanked her for doing this extra work to make their platform that much more secure. But they fired her instead. When you started uncovering, you know, what Facebook calls this inauthentic behavior, um, you basically were like, oh, you know, we know this is happening, but no one's really enforcing a policy against curbing it. And so you kind of single-handedly made that your business, even though it wasn't really like technically your job. Did you feel sort of motivated by like an internal like an internal system of morality where you like, well, this is wrong and I have to stop this. Like what motivated you to take this on?
2: Facebook has no official slogans. that nothing at Facebook is someone else's problem. And that was always the, the, what I used that internally as an excuse. And what this means is that when you see something wrong, you don't assume it's someone else's problem. You don't assume someone else fix it, will fix it. Because when you do that, everyone's like, well, that kind of person can fix it, that person can fix it. I'm not doing it myself. And the idea is that if, when you see something wrong, you step in and fix it yourself. And this is a slogan, of course, it is, does not actually get obeyed very much. But I mean, it gave me some official cover while I was there. I, ultimately, of course, I was personally motivated to do this. I mean, it, it fell in a gray area, where I could argue it was within my purview, even though it's what I was expected to, to do.
0: Do you think that your work trying to combat these inauthentic profiles, do you think that that's why Facebook let you go? I don't know.
2: I cannot read minds. They don't know the decisions that were made by people higher up. Like, I know people who believe that I was let go for this reason. It's hard for me to personally say. Like, the official reason I was let go, of course, was underperformance. performance. The way I would personally describe this is that it fell into two separate areas. The first was that in the second half of 2019, during performance review season, it was officially decided that the work I was doing, outside what my managers told me to do, did not count for my performance. And as a result, I was underperforming. The second part of it is that, of course, the pandemic hit in 2020. This resulted in many people working from home. This result, I mean, many people had a lot of difficulty with it. I was one of them. My mental health and performance suffered. So I was actually underperforming then. And Facebook had an official policy that in the first half of 2020, they would treat everyone as exceeding expectations because you're all exceeding our expectations by doing so well and braving it through the pandemic or something like that. In my case, they decided, however, that because I was already officially underperforming before the pandemic, they didn't want to give me the way that they would for others. And they hope this makes sense. Like Facebook is a company at the end of the day, and ultimately they hired me to do a specific job that I was trying to do in addition to this at the same time. And as anyone who's tried to hold down multiple full-time jobs at the same time can tell you, it's very hard to do that well.
0: Let's take a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online, and make sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me now at a special discount for our listeners today. Get twenty percent off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and use promo code No at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash no girls and enter code no girls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash no girls, code no girls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. When an employee leaves Facebook, it's common for them to write what's called a badge post, a goodbye memo published on Workplace, which is kind of like Facebook's internal Facebook for Facebook employees. Now, usually these posts are typical goodbye fare. It's been great working with you. Keep in touch. Only Sophie didn't do that. Instead, she posted a 7,000-ish word screed, laying out exactly what she'd seen during her time at Facebook. In the three years I've spent at Facebook, I found multiple blatant attempts by foreign national governments to abuse our platform on a vast scale to mislead their own citizenry and caused international news on multiple occasions, she wrote. I have personally made decisions that affected national presidents without oversight, and taken action to enforce against so many prominent politicians globally that I've lost count. I have blood on my hands. So you leave Facebook. When you're leaving, you publish an internal memo as you're like goodbye badge and i guess i have to ask what is going through your head when you hit publish in this memo you talk about having blood on you see that you have blood on your hands i mean this memo was earth shattering what's going through your mind when you hit publish
2: honestly it was probably that i was very sleep deprived
0: <laughs> I, you're that i mean i
2: I stayed up from midnight until 8 a.m. that morning writing the memo. It was that second decision. And as anyone who has taken an O night to write something can tell you, you, the result is not going to be the greatest. And I took a quick four-hour nap after that because I cannot actually function on no sleep, unlike some people. I'm very jealous of the people who can. But then again, I don't drink coffee. Maybe I should have. And so I posted it like an hour or two before I left. So this is a bit of a tradition at Facebook. It's called the badge post. When you're leaving the company you post a picture of your input or e badge and you po- and you write something with it. It's usually it's not usually as controversial as mine, of course. Oftentimes it's just uh, broad statement. I was so happy to work with all of you. You were all great. I am, I am going to Pinterest next. <laughs> I, 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 I'm doing this. I, 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 thank you for being part of my journey. But sometimes they're also more controversial and people have criticized the companies in the batch posts before. Like se- several employees started the idea of of hosting a password protected copy on an external website and sh- only sharing the password and link with, with, with the initial batch post. This was after the company had taken down a few small controversial internal batch posts. So the idea was that if you share the link and password, then people can share that even after the company takes down your internal post, and this will dissuade them from doing so and et cetera. So, the initial reaction was mostly from people, a lot of people who did not read the memo because because reading 7,800 words is a very time-consuming affair. There was a lot of initial expressions of support and etc. There's, of course, a self seduction bias, by which I mean people are usually fairly polite and not super rude. And if you have a coworker that hates you, your guts, and you're leaving the company, they are probably not going to go up to your face and say, oh, my God, you're finally leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of you. You're evil. I'm, I'm finally rid of you. They're going to be, finally, she's gone quietly and not tell you anything. And the people right. who are like, who are like, I'm so sorry you're gone, they will, they will tell you that. So that's what I mean by self-selection bias. But there were certainly people who were very sad to hear me gone. And there were certainly people who were upset to hear about the details. And I don't know if there was anyone who was like, more haha, we finally got rid of her. But I mean, I can't read minds. And so anyways, the company took down the internal workplace post a few hours after I posted it. And then, then they called me asking me to take it down from my website, I told them I would do that if they restored the internal workplace post. They they demurred and the next thing I heard from them was tomorrow when I was told that my website had been taken down. A few days later they got my domain taken down too by the registrar, so I'm sure the lawyers were very busy that weekend. There was a big employee backlash because this is not typical at Facebook. I mean it's it's been changing, but Facebook has historically been a very open company. That's why we had access as employees to talk to other employees so, so much at the same time. That's why I was able to brief a company vice president about the problem in the first place. And so, like most organizations, there's an intrinsic conflict when its stated goes come in conflict with the selfish motive. The, the internal version was restored after some edits, after some edits, and etc. After the employee backlash, I think the official statement from the company was that they took it down because it contained a link because it contained a link to sensitive internal documentation outside of outside of outside of the company reach, and they restored it after I agreed to take it down, which is something that makes them look reasonable uh, and also could not be contradicted with me because I no longer have the audience.
0: I know that Facebook offered you a severance if you signed an NDA. Is there any part of you, is there like a version of you that would have signed that? Not really. I mean, maybe, maybe if I wasn't considering doing anything
1: of
2: this, maybe if I, maybe if I was do just doing the '96 in the first place, but then this would have been very different. Like, they they offered me about $64,000 for in a severance package. They had a lot of stipulations. One of them was NDA, non non disparagement agreement, etc. And so these are usually worded very. Bro- these are often worded very broadly in tech companies. In in, my, in mine, my recollection of the non-disparagement agreement was saying basically I couldn't criticize the company in any way, shape, or form. And and this was extremely broad. And so I'm going to give an example of of how how broadly this applies. And so of course a, a week or two ago, Facebook went down worldwide for a few hours. Suppose that during that time period, someone asked me hey, I see Facebook is down. Do you, is it down for you too? And they check, oh, I can't fa- access Facebook either. It's, it's down. At that moment, I am technically in violation of a non-disparagement agreement because I have said something critical of Facebook. But I mean, not that they would, ever sue to enforce it because I would be ridiculous, but that's because, but that is technically something negative or critical about Facebook that's, that the service is down. Even if, it's, even if it's publicly accessible information or something, it's just that it's worded extremely broadly. And that was my official reason for not signing it at the time, which they seemed pretty bemused by, but accepted.
0: Before she was fired from Facebook, Sophie was pretty much single-handedly trying to keep foreign governments from abusing the platform to manipulate their citizenry. With no oversight whatsoever, I was left in a situation where I was trusted with immense influence in my spare time, Sophie said in her badge post. A manager had once teased her, saying that most of the world outside of the United States was effectively the Wild West making her their part-time dictator. He'd meant the statement to be a compliment, Sophie writes, but it illustrated the immense pressure upon me. She started thinking, I can't be the only person on the planet who is responsible for this information. What if something happens to me? What if I get hit by a car? And kind of by coincidence, she encountered Julia Carey Wong, an accomplished tech reporter for The Guardian US. And that's how her findings reached a new audience.
2: So When I started talking to Junior, it was two years ago, now. before this had happened. It was very coincidental. The first time I met with her in person, I, w- I wasn't intending to blow the whistle. It was more I was setting up because, I mean, single points of failure are bad. What happens if you get run over by a car the next day or a sunset? So I was setting, it was essentially as a contingency. I gave her some information and made her promise not to use any of it and, and unless I was dead or something. She promised that she wouldn't try to kill me or something.
0: I'm joking.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good promise to get before you, before you like spill everything to a journalist.
2: <laughs> of course. I'm joking. And anyways, um, this was in Oakland. I arranged for some friends to be in my alibi. As it, it, they agreed that if anyone asked, I was at the house petting the cats the entire time. This is something I actually visited them for at other times. I I I I went to I went to Oakland and dropped off all my electronic devices with them. I'd also dressed up. I also I'd also dressed up in a cute dress. I do not wear dresses almost ever, and the reason for that was if anyone from if I ran into anyone I knew by coincidence and they could contradict my first and they buy then hey you see someone they're sneaking around unusually. They also dressed up really unusually nice. What is the thing that goes through your head with the assumption? An affair, right? Like exactly, having exactly, an affair. Exactly. So that, so that was my second dollar <laughs> it. was brilliant. I, I That's was having so a fake. Brilliant. I mean, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't necessary in the end, of course. I mean, it didn't run into anyone. I mean, it was just the levels of paranoia. Honestly, I'm a bit surprised that Frances Hogan got away with digging through workplace as much as she did. But it, but it sort of makes sense because Facebook is fundamentally it's fundamentally a company that responds to things rather than acting proactively, like as I've criticized for it many times before, because they could have e- easily caught, looked into people who were digging into many documents outside the important areas, outside the area of expertise. But, but apparently they didn't do that. They only, apparently they only do that when it becomes a PR crisis by the time, by but and, and it's too late, which has been the practice in many other cases, much more important to the world and democracy. So I suppose it's ironic that it's, the own, that it's apparently the practice for internal security and, and, and employee monitoring as well.
0: If you're going to blow the whistle on a powerful institution, there's a lot of practical things to consider. Like, should you take screenshots on your work computer or phone? No, you shouldn't. Use end-to-end encrypted systems like Signal on your personal devices, Sophie suggests. There are bigger picture questions too. Like, what should you do about money? Sophie says, consider saving up before you go public. Or how should you protect yourself from harassment? Sophie suggests using a service like Delete Me to scrub your public information from the web beforehand. Now, at the time, there weren't really a lot of go-to guides for how to blow the whistle. But now, women like Sophie are helping to protect and guide the next generation of whistleblowers who hold the powerful accountable. There weren't any guides for
2: how to do this at the time. I was making it up uh, uh, and I eventually wrote the the guide. You you might have seen it here. I mean, by by now other people have written guides.
0: Your guides are so helpful, you know, and something that I really appreciated in your guide is that you talk about how, you know, whistleblowing is not for everybody. Not everybody can do this. Not everybody would want to take on the kind of scrutiny that you might get when you do this, you know. I think that's a, a really useful point. That like it's really not for everybody.
2: Yeah, like like I've been asked by a lot of people, and the, the first thing I always tell them is that it's a personal decision, because it's very easy from the outside for people to judge, for people to say you shouldn't have stayed at the company this long, you shouldn't be working here, you should be coming forward, you should be talking to the press, etc. But, uh, but, but, for, but but. It's different when it's personal. Different people have personal situations. Like even just turning down a $200,000 a year job, it's 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 very difficult. So many people have many people are in impoverished situations. Maybe they have specific circumstances, and it's not my place to judge them for not doing what I did. No one is obligated to emulate their career and torture themselves on the peer of world opinion for the for the purpose of for for, for, for this. I don't think that's something we can reason- I don't think that's something we can reasonably expect in, many, in, in most cases.
0: This podcast is all about identity, how our identities really make the difference when it comes to our experiences in tech and how we show up online. And the same thing is true of whistleblowers. And I feel like we're really seeing that play out in real time. The more marginalized you are, the more fraught speaking up can be. Sophie says that one of the biggest parts of her identity that has presented a challenge in her whistleblowing is the fact that she's kind of introverted. When I said earlier that Sophie prefers hanging out with her cats to giving interviews, well, I really meant it. You'll even hear a guest appearance from her cat Midnight later on in our conversation. It's really not difficult for me to see the ways that Sophie is being publicly treated because of her intersecting identities. Even in a lot of well-meaning reporting, I've noticed that some just can't help trying to pit whistleblower Frances Haugen against Sophie, an obviously sexist framing, Two women can't possibly both be speaking up without there being some kind of catfight between them, right? And what's worse, some simply erase Sophie altogether, implying instead that Frances is the real whistleblower, while Sophie is just some disgruntled former employee who was fired for being bad at her job. After Frances went public, I saw a flurry of headlines about Sophie saying, a second Facebook whistleblower has come forward, even though Sophie actually spoke out a full year earlier than Frances did. And that's kind of the rub. We don't have to buy into these limiting narratives about whose voice matters and whose voice doesn't. And we have got to believe in a world where there's room for more than one woman to speak truth to power. Our identities shouldn't keep us from being heard. Something that I'm really struck by and that we talk about a lot on this show is the way that our identities really intersect when we're talking about these things. And I firmly believe that whistleblowing is an identity issue, that like, the the more marginalized you are, the trickier it can be. So if you're a trans woman, it's gonna be harder for you. If you're a woman of color or a black woman, it might be harder for you. Has that been your experience? Has you have have your identities made this experience of being a whistleblower fraught? The
2: identity that has made it the most difficult is being an introvert who hates attention, I would say, in that I don't think it would surprise anyone to say if if you hate it, if you hate attention and want nothing to do with attention and doing this like pu- like having teeth pulled, you will be less good at getting attention. <laughs> and like frankly, I should have gotten a PR firm and um, but uh, uh, like like almost, uh, at the end of the day, I, it's it's hard it's hard for me to say it's hard for me to say how different people have responded differently based ba- based 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 on my message of uh, and who i and who I am. Like I'm happy that Francis has come forward, so 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 that frankly, someone who is more photogenic and thus of a introvert who wants to hide at home can be, can have the torch passed to them and can be and can speak out publicly in my stead. Because I was never the right person from this from the very start, and I never wanted to be.
1: Mm. That's
0: so interesting. I mean, I've seen, I've, I mean, from following your tweets, I've seen. Folks will be like, "Oh, former Facebook employee." Oh, there, there she yeah. is. So it's cute. a bit,
2: yeah. It, this is midnight again. It's a bit <laughs> funny that I'm just being described as second whistleblower now. Right. I mean, you were first. I mean, yeah, I mean, um, I mean, Europe thinks I'm first. I testified to the European Parliament last year, and I'm testifying to the UK Parliament next week. But the, the US is America. The, the US is the center of the world, of course, and. Anyways, here is Midnight. He's much more important than myself. <laughs> He's I'm such sure.
0: a beautiful cat.
2: He's very dedicated to food, and, and <laughs> uh, 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 some, sometimes when he meows, I can imag- I imagine protest slogans.
0: What do we want? Food! What do we want it? <laughs> Meow! Meow! I would join Midnight's protest. I'm also very food motivated, so oh. I would join that protest okay. anyway. Or, or, or maybe he wants equal
2: access to food for everyone.
0: More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self care as an essential act of self preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50
1: off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. Elevate your grooming game with Conair Bomb. Available now at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Let's get right
0: back into it. When I was coming of age on the internet, America Online basically was the internet. It was the end-all and be-all of how I got online. And in many countries, the same is true of Facebook, particularly in the global south, where text messages and cellular data is expensive. Facebook's messaging platform, WhatsApp, is the way that most people communicate digitally. According to data from the Brazilian technology news and research website, Mobile Time, nearly half of Brazilians say WhatsApp is their most used app, followed by Facebook and Facebook-owned Instagram. In countries like Kenya, South Africa, Nigeria, Argentina, Malaysia, and Colombia, it's the same thing. So for all the harm that Facebook has caused in the United States, it's the version of Facebook that Westerners use that is actually kind of the best version of the platform that's out there which is pretty sad. As Ellen Cushing reported in The Atlantic as part of the Facebook papers, it's the version made by people who speak our language and understand our customs, who take our civic problems seriously because those problems are theirs too. It's the version that exists on a free internet under a relatively stable government in a wealthy democracy. It's also the version to which Facebook dedicates the most moderation resources. Elsewhere, the documents show, things are different. In the most vulnerable parts of the world, places with limited internet access, where smaller user numbers mean bad actors have undue influence, the trade-offs and mistakes that Facebook makes can have deadly consequences. And Sophie's whistleblowing really helps underscore these stark and dangerous differences between how Facebook operates in the West and how it operates in the rest of the world. And the problem is, you kind of have to count on people in the West giving a shit about what happens in the rest of the world for it to make a real difference. In thinking about the amazing work that you've done, pointing out the harms that Facebook was doing around the world, do you ever feel that one of the reasons why, um, when you spoke out, it didn't really rattle Facebook as much, is it because like we're kind of trained to not care about certain countries? Like you're talking about, you know, countries like India, Ukraine, Spain, Brazil, Bolivia, Ecuador, like are we as Americans just sort of trained to like not give a crap what happens in these places? And so when you're blowing the whistle about the way that Facebook was being used to destabilize these places, people are just like, whatever.
2: I think I think that's a large part of it. Like no one, no, I mean, no one says it's so crashly, but it's the case that Americans care more about the United States and, and other Americans, and most countries are the same way. In the People's Republic of China, people care more about the the Chinese citizens. Indians care more about other Indians. Turkey's Turkey thinks that the world revolves around Turkey. The Turks think that the world revolves around Turkey, etc. And, and this is this is the way this is the way that the world works. And so, if if if, if ten people die in in, in in if ten people die in Tennessee, we'll treat it much more seriously than if hundred people die in Bangladesh. I mean, there's no one around adding 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 notes to articles like a hundred people died in Bangladesh yesterday. Parentheses: the equivalent of five point two Americans. And parentheses, but I mean, in practice, people do. And pe- in, in practice, people do have this sort of mental calculation and approach. And this is uh, extremely, sad, uh, unfortunately, and sadly, the way that the world is right now. But it's also true that it's also true that the the road tends to change over time. Ta- over time, like I live, I live with my girlfriend who's who's white, and the, our relationship would be illegal on, on multiple counts in California a hundred years ago. Like slavery was sadly commonplace in the United States 160 year, 160 years ago. I mean, there have been there were there have been wars fought over religion, and and looking back, we shake our heads and say, "How could have we been so barbaric?" It's nature for each generation to look back and, and, re, and look back and shake the head at the last. And I can't, I don't know the future. I don't know what it holds. But if I if I were to speculate and guess, I would say that. Hundreds of years from now, when people look back on us today, what they will find most barbaric is the way we treat people differently based on factors as arbitrary as a line strong on a map when they were born. Mm. And, and I firmly believe that everyone should be, have equal rights and it should be treated equally regardless of their national origin or other characteristics. But But that's me, and I'm an idealist. <laughs> I'd say part of the reason I haven't been listened to as much is also just that I dislike sound bites and and sensationalist statements and and they like nuance, and it's the nature of the current world that this is the opposite track from what you should take to get attention. If any, as anyone who's done who's used social media can tell you, like like some some of the criticism about Facebook in the in the more, right now. It, is, frankly, a bit sensationalist and not the most accurate. And and that has been rightly rightly criticized. But I also wonder, but part of it also feels a bit ironic because this is a role that Facebook built. This is what what gets attention. And and it's not surprising that that of the criticism of Facebook, this is what gets attention in the first place.
0: God, that's such a good point that like they definitely traffic in The idea that what's the most sensational, what's the most polarizing, what's the most extreme, that gets the most attention. And that economy that they have really propped up, it's kind of like, it's not any wonder that people are defaulting to extreme statements about their platform
2: yeah like i don't know if it was intentional from the start from facebook but um, but 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 certainly but certainly a lot of people have the liber- a lot of people have the idea have the idea that 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 their that stance and approach is inherently neutral somehow and an deviation from it, it's, it it's, it's it's the it's it's is a dangerous change like ultimately, I don't know if if Mike or others have ideological reasons for wanting this. If it was just the idea, if, if it was just made the most sense for making money that they justified, or what? Mm. But it but it does seem pretty ironic, a bit ironic to me. Even if I speak out against the specific criticism that I find to 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 be counterproductive or not not substantiable. Yeah.
0: So so you said earlier that you're an idealist. When you think about Facebook, are you? Is there part of you that is hopeful? Like, do you think that it can be that it can be saved? Can it be a force for good, or is it just too late?
2: Anything can be theoretically changed. The question is, will it happen? Maybe Mark will have a change of heart tomorrow. I can't read his mind. I can't read the future. But 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 fundamentally, I think of, I. I realize that cynicism and nihilism is invoked in the modern day. It's very attractive for people to say, the road is fundamentally totally broken and can't be fixed. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. And thus it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then you can say, look, 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 look I was right, Nothing changed. Because in the end, nothing nothing will happen, and as and we the people make it happen. If you want things to happen, you tr- you should try to make it happen, so, so you can say you have tr- that you tried at the very least, even if it fails. Because if everyone writes it off and says it's Facebook, it's broken, then uh, w- what's the point? We already know that it's already off, and we can't do anything. Then it then that will become a self-fulfilling prophecy, and no one will ch- and and no because no one will step forward to fix it or change it in the first place. Mm. And so the question of will anything happen? That's really up to us. It's it's up to it's up to yourself. It's up to me. It's up to the people listening. And and, I, and am, am I am I working myself? Yes, I, yes, I am. But that doesn't mean I can do it alone. I'm not a superhero.
0: Sophie is amazing, but she's right. She's not a superhero, and she shouldn't have to be. She can't take on a massive, powerful, global institution like Facebook all on her own. So the question is, what will we do? How will we honor women like Sophie who have risked everything to speak truth to power? Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangody.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangody.com. for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's
1: iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less.